it, it is such a huge part of the experience to just spend a lot of time wondering if uh, you're real or not, if, if you're yeah. lying to yourself, if you're lying to other people, um, if it's okay to identify like this. And that's why I'm so passionate about getting this information and these resources to other people is it has done so much for me. I am like unassailably bisexual. You can't, you can't take it away from me and you can't make me ashamed of myself either. Hello, my bi's and allies. It's Talia Cass here with Bisexual Behavior. I'm back from a short break to share a very bisexual episode. If you love books, this episode is absolutely for you. I had the amazing opportunity to interview Bren Frederick from the BiPan Library about all things queer literature. We talked about our favorite bisexual books and why queer literature is so, so important. We also talk a ton about the common bisexual experience of self-sabotage. Little did I know that's something that I do quite frequently, and I think that might relate to a lot of you as well. Plus, toward the end of the episode, we talk a little bit about this problematic stereotype that bi people love threesomes, um, and I read Bren a Reddit post from the bisexual subreddit. So let's get into it. Without further ado, here's Bren. Hi, Bren. So great to have you on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I was so excited. I've been following you on Instagram and following the pod for, I think, since it started. Yeah, and since I started um, the podcast, I've been following you. So I guess the feeling is uh, mutual, (laughs) mutual. as creepy as that sounds. But yeah, I'm a big fan of the work you do um, for especially for, you know, queer listeners who maybe they they love reading or it's something that they want to get back into. I think for me personally, I've always been a huge uh, pop culture uh, queen, as you would say. I I love watching television (laughs) and just getting as much queer content as I can. And reading is something that I feel like I go in phases with. So um, I have years where I'm constantly reading and I'm obsessed with books and then I have like a year or so where I'm just, you know, I, I just can't get inspired to read. And this past year, I actually have joined a book club. I've been making it a big goal of mine to read a lot more. And now you've opened me up to the world of queer literature. So I've been so, so excited to talk to you. That's and, really uh, exciting. You know, yeah. I, I'm the same way with reading. You wouldn't think mm-hmm. it because I like surround myself with books 24-7. But like I have mm-hmm. phases in my reading life too. It fluctuates. Yeah. I, I think, think people get really hard on themselves with reading and um and it's it's just funny because it can be competitive with my friends like especially cuz one person will read a book really fast and the other person's like oh I I'm a little bit behind but I think that overall reading should be something that's really enjoyed and thought of in a different way so that's why I really love Bipan Library but before we get fully started um I wanted to start with some introductions and give you the opportunity to uh talk about the library that you have but I'll start with myself my name is Talia my pronouns are she her um and I'm a cis bisexual woman what about you uh my name is Bren Frederick uh I'm a genderqueer bisexual person I don't know what my pronouns are right now (laughs) so uh, use whatever you want that's kind of where I am right now Um, and we'll see what sticks Uh, let's see I don't don't know if there's much else to say that's who I am well why don't you tell me about what the BIPAN library is for those who aren't aware Uh, the BIPAN library is a physical and digital archive of BIPAN fluid m-spec literature and other media we have a couple dvds we've got magazines 
uh, pins, zines, some other like ephemera. Um, and it, so it's a physical collection here um, in the office in Washington State. And then also it is a website with other resources. Um, there's a full listing of every book that's in the collection, which at this point is around 900 books. Um, every time I do an interview, the number goes up, but around right now it's about 900. Um, and, uh, there's also like book lists, uh, printable downloads for libraries, youth centers, things like that. Um, there's a lot of, uh, uh, resources on the site. Um, and there's lots of big plans, uh, for the future. Oh, exciting. How did you get into such, uh, incredible project? How did it even start? I mean, accidentally, it, it's it was an accident of um, my information seeking nature. I learned about the concept of bisexuality from a book. Um, that's that's why I care so much about the power of queer books is because I wouldn't be here without one. I grew up super sheltered, a very conservative Christian uh, family, household, culture around me, and I was really isolated from information. It's very tightly controlled, lots of censorship around what books I could or couldn't read. So I didn't learn about the concept of bisexuality until I read it in a book when I was 21, I think I was. Um, it was oh. in 2015. Uh, Do you remember what book it was? And, oh, for sure. For sure. And I have it here at my desk with me. Oh, um, perfect. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a sight to see. It's so beat up. As you can see, it's gone a lot of places with me. Uh, it's called <laughs> Far From You by Tesh Sharp. And it's really good. It's a young adult, uh, like, mystery thriller. Um, it's, like, actually pretty sad in a lot of places. But uh, the main character had a girlfriend and uh, something happened to her. And uh, then she starts developing feelings for a guy. And it's just sort of accepted um, that, like, this is how she is. It was really clear that the author, the author, uh, is bisexual. So um, I was in good hands for my first <laughs> bisexual reading experience. Um, yeah, and I, I actually read it in church. I was reading in church when I figured out what bisexuality was and realized that's what I was. And it was quite a dramatic moment in my life. <laughs> I can imagine what a discovery. Did you feel almost like a little bit scandalous learning about that while you were sitting in the church? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I, 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 yeah, it was a big old sin, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, it was very scary. Um, it felt like, uh, seeing that it felt like this moment where I knew my life was going to change. Um, and that I was suddenly less welcome in this place than I was a second ago mm. because I knew something about myself, um, that w would get me rejected in that place and, and has, you know, that, that is what happened. <laughs> <laughs> and how interesting is it that you discovered bisexuality for the first time through a book rather than television and movies? So one thing that I, um, before I interviewed you, I was thinking a lot about representation in literature and how I started the podcast because I felt like as somebody who loves queer media and just watching as much queer television and movies as I can, I felt like there wasn't really good representation. But then after talking to you initially, and I read something that you've written be before as well, and you were talking about how it was like a whole new world of discovering queer literature and that it opened up your eyes to so much. And it was almost like a perspective that I haven't really thought about because I think we need to do better. There needs to be more representation of bisexuality in media, but there is, it's just in a 
rather niche market or in literature. And it's like opening the book to a whole new world. And I was wondering if you could talk about that a little bit more and how you started to discover more queer literature and bisexual stories in books specifically. Uh, yeah. Well, as soon as I read that first book, I was so thirsty. Um, mm-hmm. I desperately wanted more. Um, y- you couldn't possibly have provided me enough books that would make <laughs> me happy at that at that moment. Um, I, I wanted so much. I wanted this abundance. Um, and that's hard to find. It's And it's not that the books aren't out there, uh, but they often aren't marketed to bisexual people. Um, <laughs> they don't let us put the word on book jackets all the time most of the time um uh it's it can be hard to find the books and if you're just like casually searching you're a casual reader you google bisexual books you'll find a few listicles right that that's mostly what you're gonna find maybe a goodreads like uh a goodreads list and it'll be most of like the same books so it's hard to get past that like upper crust of representation and find all of the books that are beneath that crust I'm not sure that analogy like works out fully, but you got no, what I, I got you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I just really like researching. Um, so I had like the drive and inspiration to con- to to dig significantly deeper. Um, but that's why I eventually made all that research more public uh, by launching a website. Um, was because I know that not every reader can or wants to or should have to do all of that digging to find books that represent them. Um, I absolutely agree with you that we need more books, but I also don't want to do a disservice to what already exists, like the hard work that uh, BIPAN, Fluid, MSpec authors um, have been putting in for decades. Right. Um, Yeah, no, I, I think that's so powerful that you want to be a voice to help spread awareness of all these books that are already out there. And one thing that you mentioned is that when you look up queer books, you you get a lot of the same books. And it's a list of a lot of times, like types of books that maybe is like a little bit of a downer to read. Like I know for myself, like I <laughs> will want to read a queer novel that's like, maybe it's a romance novel, maybe it's, you know, something like an easy beach read. Like I want to see myself represented in more than just a dramatic story about somebody coming out. Like I want it to be more about just your uh, everyday life of a bisexual. So I think that having you do that research is like such a powerful thing. Yes. That, so that's one of my hopes uh, with the library, um, especially some of the expansions to the catalog that I'm I'm hoping to make over the next year. Um, I've got this spreadsheet that has about 3000 titles, um, oh like <laughs> a lot more than exist in this room. And I'm I am working right now on making that full list available to the public in like a searchable, taggable way. So we'll have like a search engine for MSBEC Media. Um, uh, but what, one of the things that I hope to combat with that um, is this idea that we have to read books that we're not actually that inspired by or interested in or we, that are not to our taste just mm-hmm. to find representation. Right. Um, I f- have felt like that a lot, especially like early in the process of doing all this research. I felt like, well, I have to read YA, um, mm-hmm. even though I'm in my 20s. Um, not that you can't read YA in your 20s, but it, it wasn't to my taste anymore. But I felt right. like I had to because that is act- the easiest uh, category to find explicitly bisexual books in right now is mm-hmm. young adult. Um, not that there are a ton of them, but young adult is often marketed like, uh, you know, it's kind of like educational in addition to being entertaining, even though it's fiction. So mm-hmm. if it tackles a specific topic, 
the industry will tell you that it's about that topic, kind of. Oh, I um, see. Okay. So I could so I could find bisexual young adult the easiest, and so I had to read it, and that's what I had, and I enjoyed it, but not as much as if it was like uh, I read a book this year that's about a, a genderqueer bisexual person who is a book restorer. And it's like so <laughs> niched down to shit that I'm interested in. Um, it's you, basically. And that's <laughs> that's that's a different experience. That's mm-hmm. like beyond the 101. Oh, other bisexuals exist. Down to like people like me specifically. This bisexual exist. Yeah, um, and our stories are worth telling. Um, so yeah, I think uh, having that abundance and that choice mm-hmm. is really important. Uh, for bisexual people Definitely. and everyone. And I think what you mentioned about um, young adult novels is I think it's very similar in the case for television too, is you're seeing a lot of queer TV shows coming out lately, but they're all like, um, you know, high school shows or young adult shows, which like, don't get me wrong. I love Heartstopper, but watching the second season, I'm like, oh man, I feel I'm 30 years old. Like, this is not like, I love as much as I love to watch it. I'm like, <laughs> this is not really my my thing anymore. But um, But it's great that, you know, again, you're finding things that are more specific to who you are. And again, that's can be so hard as a queer person is finding something that really relates to you. And forgive me, but I usually start with the question, what is your most bisexual behavior? So I have to jump back (laughs) and just (laughs) circle back on that. But Bren, what is your most bisexual behavior? Uh, Self-sabotage. Ah, okay. Please please explain. (laughs) I I think I got an idea of what you mean, but would love to hear more. Uh, I've gotten in my way so much um, in my life because I want to do things perfectly or I want to be a perfect representation of something. Um, I want to learn everything about something before I think it's okay for me to be interested in it, to mm-hmm. like it, to pursue it. Um, and I think that I, I don't know, most of my friends are bi, honestly, um, or pan. And uh, we're all getting in our own ways in a lot of ways, I think. Yeah. Um, I think that like, it is, it can be really difficult to be, by or pan and lots of people will reject you before they have a chance to know you and mm-hmm. I think that it's very easy to try to get ahead of that yeah. um, by rejecting yourself first like if if you look at like what bi people talk about on social media a lot a lot of it is like the invalidation um, we want to put ourselves down sometimes before other people will do it um, I think there's like a whole thing on social media of bi women kind of being mean to themselves so true. before other people are so that we can buy acceptance from other queer people. And I see that as self-sabotage because it cuts ourselves off from ourselves. It cuts ourselves off from creating by community and culture around ourselves, supportive uh, community around ourselves with people who understand us. Um, and I think, yeah, I think that's self-sabotage. And I catch you know- myself doing it all the time. Yeah, I can really relate to a lot of what you're saying, because I feel especially as somebody who has a bisexual podcast, I'm always second guessing myself and thinking, like, am I really wanting to be a person who represents this when I'm just learning about it myself? Like, I I find that a lot of those thoughts in my head will stop myself, especially somebody who's a writer and a creative person. I think I'm constantly overthinking what message I want to put out there as a bisexual person who talks about bisexuality. And it can be so yeah. hard because you expect that people will say, well, you're not bisexual enough or queer enough, or, um, you know, you are only speaking to an issue that isn't that big of a deal or, you know, things of that nature. So I think that that is very relatable 
overall. Yeah. The world often wants us to simplify ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and we respond to that by thinking that's what we have to do to be accepted. Uh, I, I really relate to what you just said about um, uh, wondering if you're the right person to do something. I think about that all the time. Uh, <laughs> it has stopped me from pursuing a lot of projects. I'm trying to dig myself out of that now um, and actually pursue things without being the perfect person. Because you also don't have to be the only person. I think like the idea that we would reject ourselves for trying something that anybody else is also able to do. Like somebody else can, who has a different perspective than you can go start a bi podcast. Of course. They can do it. You're not stopping yeah. them. No, um, and I'm not competing. And, and I'm just trying we, to help and support other yeah. people. Yeah, but it helps to have a lot of different people doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that like, we will we'll sometimes trick ourselves into thinking that there has to be one perfect person to do it so that we will win. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we do that with representation as well. We're like, there has to be one true representation and that will be the key to the lock of acceptance, public acceptance, rights, resources. If we're just perfect, we can do it. And I don't think that that has ever been the solution for any queer group of people. Um, Mm. I think that we should be messy. I think that uh, we should be uh, impossible to simplify. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm actively against simplifying bisexuality, pansexuality, and queerness and yeah, gender. I, that's why I think it can be kind of fun to play into stereotypes. Which, by the way, uh, I just need to point out your your shirt here, which says "evil bisexual stereotype," <laughs> which I believe you're selling these now, right? Yeah, this is my design. Um, I love it. I'll uh, I'll put a link in the show notes so people can purchase them. But um, but yeah, I think overall, that's why it can be kind of fun to play into those stereotypes because it kind of, in a way, it's like reclaiming the negativity. And um, I was talking to a previous guest about the different types of representation out there that can be harmful to bisexual people. But Mm -hmm. does it really need to be at the end of the day? I mean, saying that a bisexual person is slutty, I mean bisexual people can have stories where they're being promiscuous and that's relatable because anyone can be promiscuous. It doesn't have to be a bisexual person. So I think that you're right that a lot of bisexual people overthink it. And even as a person who wants to write stories myself about bisexual people, I think I'm constantly like, what story can I put out there that isn't a disappointment to other bisexual people? So it's very, very relatable overall. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that we deserve to have all these different kinds of stories. I love a bisexual mm-hmm. villain. Mm-hmm. Me too. I, I, I love them. Um, I don't love bisexuality being the symbol of their villainy. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> I mean, I, th- I think it's cool. You can have kind of a sexy bisexual villain. Um, yeah. And that's okay. Like look at um, Villanelle. Exactly. Um, yeah. I don't know if anyone's seen Killing Eve, but that is like the classic, perfect bisexual villain. Yes, she murders, yeah. but she is very beautiful. So well, she does yeah. it. Serial killer is such a very uh, specific, like, bi villain trope. Um, mm-hmm. It's got an interesting history, but yeah. Yeah. I, I think that we deserve all of that complexity, uh, just like straight people get. Yeah. I would love oh, to hear um, what your current reads are right now. What What do you? What's your latest thing that you've been reading that you would recommend? Uh, latest thing. I mean, 
I'm really bad at pulling titles right off the top of my brain. That's why I made a whole website that <laughs> can be my like, external brain. I'm like secretly trying to pull up my Goodreads right now. You know what? There's been a weird pattern in my reading the past couple months. I've never mm-hmm. been really big on vampire fiction, but I've read a bunch of it recently. I just finished A Dowry of Blood by S.T. Gibson, uh, which is just everybody in the book is by basically. Um, and then I also read this book called Reluctant Immortals by Gwendolyn Kiest, Kiest um, which won the... I believe won the Lambda Literary Award for bisexual fiction this past year. Um, And they have actually extremely similar plots. Um, (laughs) Okay, extremely similar issues. The plots are different. The issues Mm -hmm. are sort of the same, where it's like uh, women who have been taken by Dracula are escaping from Dracula and maybe (laughs) ending him forever. Um, that's that's like the basic thing that it comes down to, um, and they're both they're both uh, included in the library, and which is very uh, I, impressive I them. to look at. By the way, just like seeing it behind you is, and I, you had a video of it, and I was like, wow, that that is a whole lot of amazing books. So very impressive. But anyway, sorry to interrupt. It's a really nice space to exist in. The original hope with the library was that it would be a public space, and uh, the pandemic happened. I'm immune mm-hmm. compromised. That plan is on hold until later notice, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've pivoted to sort of the digital space. But I, I want to prioritize uh, people who don't have access to this um, otherwise. Like, I don't want the library to just exist in one state that not very many people can travel to. You know, I want there to be resources that other people can can use across the globe. Of course. Um, I also recently read several people are typing. Um I'm obsessed Which... with that book. I read it recently it's too. So and I know it, it's, I read it in like a couple hours. I like was traveling to Seattle to visit my sister. And I was like, I just read it in one sitting and I was like, this is like so weird, but I love it so much. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a surprise bisexual at the end. Yes. Um, which I love. I love that. Uh, there's a really good interview uh, with the author Calvin on gender reveal, reveal gender reveal podcast. Um oh. Uh, which I really recommend. Okay. I would love to have him on the podcast one day too. But um, for uh, those who are listening, it's a very interesting novel because it's like all in Slack messages, um, which I kind of like interesting books like that, where it's, they take on a whole different style of literature, but, um, Mm -hmm. but it's a very wacky kind of weird story. It's um, a guy who works at an agency and he's like all of a sudden in Slack and can't get out. But um, so I definitely recommend you, re- you read it because I and I, I love the, the surprise bisexual reveal at the end. Like it was no big deal. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm bisexual. It's yeah, like, it was really sweet. Uh, mm-hmm. It's such a difficult book to describe. Like I just it, it's a workplace satire kind of um, mm-hmm. and so hard to <laughs> how, are you, how are you supposed to explain. He's in yeah. Slack. I don't know how to tell he, you other than that. Yeah, he tried to explain I, it to I his I read the whole book. Like... <laughs> <laughs> the whole point is that you can't explain it. I think about it often because I work at a marketing agency um, in my full-time job and we always use Slack. So I'm just like, this is, I feel like this is just my life, this book. So, Yeah. I think that that kind of reveals my actual taste in books is like dark and strange and kind of fucked mm-hmm. up. Um, yeah. That's, that's stuff that I like to read personally. And then the stuff I talk about online is often like really positive and flowery, <laughs> and like light. Um Hey, Meanwhile, I'm just here. reading about like 
Yeah. One of my, um, uh, one of my favorite that I've read over the past year is the light brigade by Cameron Hurley, um, which is one of the bleakest books you could pick up. Um, It's like a far future, uh, everything and everybody are owned by corporations. Um, (laughs) There's some time travel involved. Um, The main character who is M-Spec just kind of goes any direction. Um, Oh, and very quickly. It's also um, pretty fucked up. Yeah. Oh, um, for listeners who may have not heard M-Spec before, but can you define what that means? Definitely. Um, M-Spec is short for multiple attraction uh, spectrum or uh, multisexual spectrum. Uh, And it's basically an inclusive umbrella term. Uh, that makes room for a lot of different uh, terms and labels people use for attraction to multiple genders. Uh, so bisexual, pansexual, uh, panromantic, biromantic, omnisexual, mm-hmm. fluid, queer. The list goes on for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I really prefer it to the umbrella term bi plus uh, because it doesn't prioritize uh, one of the labels over others. Uh, it, yeah. it dismisses a hierarchy from the beginning so that we can all sort of have respectful and productive conversations with each other. <laughs> yes, um, I love that. Yeah, I find that a lot of times when you talk about the different labels under that umbrella, I think it gets like a little bit like argumentative because I think people put a lot of negative connotation over bisexual versus pansexual or just queer in general. And I really like that and spec is just kind of takes everything out of that. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that like lots of those, uh, I think there's good reasons to talk about those things like the mm-hmm. sort of infighting um, and uh, I would say also like fighting over resources and fighting over crumbs that happens when we talk about different uh, M spec identities, which is another form of self-sabotage. Oh, not, not yes. to go back to that, but I think it is. No, I think there's, that's a very important reasons theme. to have those conversations. But definitely. And I was I interrupted you, and you were going to I think talk about a different book. So, right. I'm sorry. No, uh, I'm, I'm going to get all. I have I have ADHD. <laughs> we're going to like go all around the conversation before no, we get to the center. <laughs> I do too, and I keep interrupting you. I'm being a terrible host. I'm sorry. No. <laughs> We're just talking in a different language, and it's That's ADHD. Right. That's um, right. <laughs> I, I was talking about The Light Brigade by Cameron Hurley. Um, uh, yeah, the main character is not a clear-cut protagonist. You're not going to agree or like everything that they choose to do. Um, and they're working through some shit. Um, and there's a lot of trauma. There's a lot of death. There's a lot of injury. Um, it's, it's a difficult book. I loved it, though. Oh. Uh, I recommend it to anybody who thinks those things sound good. <laughs> well, honestly, sometimes it's good to balance, like, a really heavy book and then after read something that's really, like, easy and, like, I don't want to say trashy, but, like, just a nice, like, light read that makes you feel good. So yeah. that's what I have to do. <laughs> Otherwise, it's just it becomes too, <laughs> too much. <laughs> so what would you recommend for a person who wants to get into reading after listening to this? Maybe there's someone who's like me who just, you know has focused a lot more on queer uh, television and is kind of wants to ease back into reading without it being overwhelming? Um, well, if it's somebody who is not used to reading or like that's not part of their life uh, yet, I would look sort of take stock of the kinds of TV uh, and movies that you like, like notice some of the 
uh, traits that those pieces of media have um, and look for those in books. Um, so if you really like uh, action movies and superheroes and stuff, you can find queer ac- action-y, superhero-y books. Um, if you're looking for some specifically, send me an email and I'll hook you up because I know the titles. Um, Amazing. I think uh, there. I think that's a good way to start. Start with concepts that you already love. Um, it'll just be a different format for them. Um, and also uh, talk to your friends. Probably have at least one friend who who reads um, and who might have some recommendations for you because they know you or because they love a book and they want someone else to read that book and that can be sort of motivation to get through it and then talk to your friend about it. Uh, talking to other people can be really helpful when you're sort of building a reading practice, I guess. Definitely. Especially like a friend who knows your taste and might be able to give you some recommendations. Actually, my best friend who's also bisexual, she's the one who introduced um, several people are typing to me. So, uh, so you never know what they could help you out with. Good taste. That's right. So Brenna, what is the future of BiPan Library for you? My hope over the next few years, uh, first is to bring other people into the work. Um, There have been other people who've worked alongside me um, on the library. Currently, they have other things going on in their lives. It's not um, something they can devote a lot of time to. So it is mostly me at the moment. But uh, I'm working on getting a few more volunteers um, into the work. And with other volunteers comes other perspectives and other projects. Um, I would really like to work with other people on uh, research and resources that they want to develop um, and help provide them funding uh, a platform um, and a way to house like the resource kind of a, a way to distribute resources um, so for example if somebody wanted to come and research a specific topic like uh, for instance bisexual pulp novels from like the 70s and 60s um, I would love to be able to fund some of that research um, and also like create an online uh, uh, Oh, what's the word? I'm sorry, my brain just like left. left the building. <laughs> That's okay. That happens to me a lot. <laughs> just like blackout. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, it just um, <laughs> exhibit. That's the word I was looking for. Um, and and uh, create things like online exhibits um, where people can come to the site and learn something about by history, uh, about pan literature, about like the history of the term omnisexual. Like there's lots of things that I would love to do on the website. I want to create sort of an online third space for the MSpec community um, that will let us meet with each other, talk to each other without the goal of educating the general public about our issues. I think we don't get enough time to speak with each other um, in yeah. community about our own shit w- without having to play this like respectability game of like we have to put things in a way that other people will understand we have to put things in a way mm-hmm. other people will accept um, what if we were able to sort out <laughs> some of our stuff in more easily accessible avenues um, so I don't know uh, thinking about uh, virtual events uh, support groups um, and uh, other things of that of that nature. I love that. So you would say your DMs are open for collabs? Very much. Very much. Awesome. I love to get emails. 
I love to get DMs. <laughs> Mostly Great. I love the emails. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever heard a person say they love the emails, but I, I respect it. I like how much more space there is to talk. Um, <laughs> I, I know that it dates me maybe a little bit also. I'm only 30, everybody, but I, I like an email because it lets me write in paragraphs. <laughs> yes. Uh, something feels weird about sending a long message through a message, like on Instagram or something. It just feels yeah. weird. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like this is this is too much. But if I'm sending an email, it's just context. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's good. But you can DM me. It's okay. I just <laughs> might move it to email eventually. <laughs> As all, all people do. It's, uh, it's all right. Email yeah. makes it more, I think, uh, official. Yeah. We'll be professional bisexuals over there. Um, but I'll That's also right. say on the website um, on bipenlibrary.com slash library dash services, um, you can actually book a call with me, a networking call, and we can talk face to face instead of just DMing or just emailing. Um, I really like to meet other people who are writing, working, educating, learning. I work with students a lot. Um, that's something I haven't really brought into the conversation, actually, is the fact that the majority of the work the BiPen Library does is research assistance. Oh, interesting. Could you talk about that a little bit more? Yeah, I don't think that I uh, publicize it as well as I could. <laughs> The main function of the library right now is as a research library. Um, I don't lend out books, but I do. You can book a virtual visit or a research visit on that uh, URL I mentioned. Um, And it's basically like a 30 to 60 minute call where we can talk about the topics that you're interested in. I'll hook you up with a book list while we're on the call. We can talk about concepts. Sometimes it's just like working out ideas. And I can also uh, like get scans of specific sources uh, that you're interested in. I have a lot of rare and out-of-print books in the collection, particularly the uh, MSpec nonfiction section. I am quite certain that I have over 90% of the bisexual and pansexual nonfiction that's ever been printed in English. And so I can really help students and educators and activists connect with the history of a specific topic. So like right now I'm helping someone research labor activism and the bisexual community. Um, and I recently helped someone uh, research uh, bisexual inclusion, uh, spirit, spirituality and bisexuality uh, and inclusion or exclusion in particularly like Christian uh, churches and and but and then also like sometimes just people who aren't students they just want to learn more uh i I got a request recently from a pansexual person who uh just figured out that they're pan and they want to find some books and i'm like great i'll come and i'll i'll give you the books um yeah that's so impressive uh, it's so fun (laughs) like i can't (laughs) i cannot pass this off as something that i'm doing to help other people that is part of the motivation. And it's also that I get an hour to talk to someone about this really nerdy thing that I'm super, super interested in. Um, And it's a really good time all around. I hope the other person has half the amount of fun that I'm having. (laughs) I'm sure they are. I'm sure. That's incredible. I've never even heard of that being a resource for bisexual people. So it's just so cool that you're able to offer that and spend the time to put in the research. And I'm so curious, how has your journey with BiPan Library affected your own view of your sexuality and just your own journey itself? <sighs> okay. Mm-hmm. I I have 
no doubt in my body about myself anymore. It has been such a privilege to be surrounded by all of this history, all this representation, to feel like I have uh, so many choices that even really poor representation doesn't get my blood pressure up anymore. Um, Because I know there's other choices, because I know there's other things to recommend to other people, and there are other mirrors I can look in. If the mirror that I'm looking in of uh, a really negative perspective on bisexuality if it makes me uncomfortable to look in that mirror, I got another one over here and it's being kinder to me Mm -hmm. and it loves me. (laughs) And so I'm fine. Um, I, I, especially the nonfiction section um, rooted me in this identity in a way that uh, I think is unshakable. I, I feel, I feel bad actually talking about this sometimes because I know that, and, and I experienced this, deep insecurity around bisexual identity is extremely common in the community. It is um, it, it is such a huge part of the experience to just spend a lot of time wondering if uh, you're real or not, if, if you're yeah. lying to yourself, if you're lying to other people, um, if it's okay to identify like this. And that's why I'm so passionate about getting this information and these resources to other people is it has done so much for me. I am like unassailably bisexual. You can't, you can't take it away from me and you can't make me ashamed of myself either. I've been in some really uncomfortable situations uh, where I had to come out to somebody who I knew was not going to be kind, um, uh, relatives even, and I accidentally found myself coming out. And the first thing I said was that I'm bi and that it's something I love about myself. And the first time that happened and I felt it so deeply and I wasn't even afraid anymore. And they did respond badly and they couldn't make me feel bad about it. It's been such an armor to have this history, um, to be able to look at like uh, my favorite part of the bi nonfiction section is the anthologies. And because it's just a collection of all these different lives and all of these different ways to be bisexual, um, that has strengthened there's so many me ways way. to be bisexual. There, there are, and if there's so many ways, it means your your way can be correct. That's right for yes. you. Yes, and and I feel that so deeply that it's I I, I, <laughs> I feel like I'm I'm uh, the word escaped me again. <laughs> Words are hard. Uh, sometimes they really are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm like, my day job is a writer. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> uh, uh, like, I feel arrogant talking about it sometimes because I'm just, I'm just so confident in it that I don't apologize for it. Um, it's such, and, honestly, like uh, your answer is bringing me so much joy. And like, I feel like it's such a powerful thing that you can not feel bad about who you are. And I think it takes so long for so many people to feel that way. Yeah. And I mean, like I said, I think that that comes from a lot of privilege. Um, I have, um, I've had the ability to create this office. I have a partner who has supported me wholeheartedly since the second I came out. And I have a lot of uh, friends who are by, and uh, I think all of that uh, is a privilege, and that's allowed me to get to this place. Um, but I hope, I hope that this feeling will be accessible um, to more and more people um, as the bi community and the bi movement uh, continues to grow. I think 
the more that you talk that way, I think the more other people will feel receptive to it and almost kind of get that message in their head too. You know, it's like the same thing with the more people talk about that they're bisexual and then other people will discover it. And I think the more people talk about being proud of being bisexual, then they'll be like, hey, I can be proud too. It's a great thing. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. It it is so much easier with something to emulate. And I think Mm -hmm. maybe that's part of like, that's in the sauce with with these books that I'm talking about, because with the anthologies and the nonfiction, I'm reading the writing of some of the like strongest, staunchest bisexual activists uh, from the past, many of whom are still with us. um, And I've had the honor of meeting many of them. Um, And from them, I get my strength and I hope to pass that on. Amazing. Well, on that note, um, I'm going to shift the conversation a little bit. I think I mentioned this to you, but I have a segment called Found on Reddit. Um, Reddit was like a huge part of my coming out journey. That's why I do this. But I see a lot of the same people post the same kinds of things on the bisexual subreddit. So now I um, every episode I go over a post that I saw that I thought listeners would resonate with. Um, Some are kind of insane. Some are very typical questions. But I wanted to go over one with you, um, which is titled boyfriend wants a threesome and is nagging me. So we're already starting off very strong. Are you ready for this, Bren? I'm ready now. (laughs) Okay, so my boyfriend wants a threesome and well, I'm not sure if I really want to. I'm a jealous person and the thought of having another girl with us makes me uncomfortable. I'm bi, so I know I should be thrilled with this opportunity, but I'm just not. My boyfriend has been asking me every few days if we can have a threesome, and each time I've said no, oh my god, this fills me with rage, um, (laughs) that I wasn't comfortable with it. He gets upset by this answer and pouts but won't stop asking. He says that I'm being lame and that I'll like it anyway. Okay. Uh, I recently found out that he's been using Tinder to try to facilitate this. I'm not really happy in how much he's nagging me about it. Um, So... I brought this up because, again, the classic stereotype of bisexual people liking threesomes. And while that's not mm-hmm. a bad thing and plenty of people do, I I think it, people get confused with bisexuality and polyamory because they're very different things. And mm-hmm. I also felt like this is the classic stereotype of a guy fetishizing a bisexual woman. So, Bren, I wanted to talk to you about this because I'm very <laughs> curious about what your initial reaction is. And then we can really just dive into all the little bits of it. But <laughs> I mean, I, I want to have a word with him. I know. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> I mean, that's really gross. It sounds like your boyfriend isn't into consent, right? A ton, right? Yeah. And <laughs> so that's that's like, like my first concern. I think a lot of people don't even like fully understand what consent is. They think it's like whether or not you want to have sex. But there's so many like consent is just even if you want to like shake someone's hand, you know, like. And yeah. I think that pushing someone gets very manipulative and it gets almost in like a abusive territory because then you're making this person feel bad because they don't want to have a threesome. And I think yeah. she should just dump them. I think that's the answer is to dump them. He's already using yeah, Tinder. I, the guy's trying to actively cheat on you. Like I, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, he's using you as a tool. Like that's what I right. would tell if this was my friend. I would be like, it seems like he's using you to achieve a fantasy that has nothing mm-hmm. to do with you. Yeah. Because if if specifically he wanted to have a threesome with you mm-hmm. and another person, he would want you to be into it. Right. It sounds like he just wants two bodies to mm-hmm. to because uh, like I mean, 
when you first read the question, I was like, all right, let's see what kind of threesome this is. What kind of, I knew what it was going to be. I knew that it was going to be that he wanted to sleep with her and another girl. <laughs> I bet he already but has like a girl That's not the mind. only kind of threesome you can have. <laughs> no. And I also think like threesomes are great and could be good for relationships if that's like both sides are agree and both are consensual to it. I think that it can also really hurt a relationship if one person isn't really into it. And again, like power to people who, um, you know, do like to kind of have an open relationship. And I think there's different, that can mean different things. I think there's many ways to be open and maybe threesomes are a part of that, but it's not like he doesn't respect you if he keeps asking no. after you've already said no. And no bisexual woman should feel pressure just because they're bisexual or bisexual man for that matter, that they should be open to having a threesome because that's what is the stereotypical fetishized thing. But yeah, yeah. I saw that and I was and like, I've got to talk about it on the podcast. <laughs> I mean, there is there is two queer women in this equation also. He's <laughs> using one bi woman to maybe... Uh, convince another bi woman to also have sex with him. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's a mess. I don't know it's if you've done the dating app things, but um, a lot of bi women are like, there's like the unicorn hunters where it's like a guy mm-hmm. or girl looking for a bi woman to have a threesome with. And I feel like yeah. it's even worse when it's just a guy on his own starting a Tinder account being like, my girlfriend, I want to have a threesome. Like, it's just, it's never, oh. it, like, that's just gonna off put every single queer woman on a dating app mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. yeah he, he, <laughs> like i said he's using you as a tool to and i say that with like all of the sex positivity in the world <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> i think i think that like men like that prevent uh lots of bisexual people from feeling comfortable wanting to do things like sleep with a couple Right. finding people who are trustworthy and safe for them mm-hmm. to engage in that with. It muddies the waters quite badly for people who want to be a unicorn. Because that's yes. also true. Like, it oh, is... that's such it, a good point. <laughs> yeah, I'm so sorry that you're with this man and that he's treating you that way. Yes, um, dump him, that, that's, that's what I would like to say to this person. Put the um, whole man in the trash, actually. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I... <laughs> I think that I think that they should date a bi person. <laughs> I I can't have an advice podcast because my if it was anything about relationships, I'd be like, "What if you dated a bi person?" Yeah. I, I just yes. uh, it's and so much I didn't yes. tell you I'm married. I didn't marry a bi person, so I understand you can have a great relationship with someone who's not bi. I'm just like such a stand for bi for bi dynamics. I think it's beautiful. Me too, and it's so funny because um, I also am with I'm with a straight man, and I like I don't always talk about it on the podcast because I feel like people are like, oh, of course, that's like such a stereotype. But I also think that like you can be with a straight person who's very respectful of your sexuality and still let, like yes. allow you to be in a queer space without like fetishizing you. But I think that oftentimes women get stuck with men who really are just fetishizing them. So it's really hard as a bi woman to navigate that. And I can't even imagine for bi men too, that that's like a whole different degree of whole different ball game. Yeah. yeah. And, 100%. and if you're like non-binary gender queer, it's just like, mm-hmm. no, no, literally nobody is thinking about you. Yeah. Nobody remembers you exist. <sighs> I, um, so I'm, I'm married to a cis man and <laughs> 
<laughs> nobody knows what to do with us. Mm. No, nobody knows what to do with us, including other queer people. Um, people want to put me in the box of like by women married to men. Um, mm-hmm. That's not my experience. Um, I don't really identify with womanhood. I've, I've experienced it and, and I was certainly like raised to think of myself that way. Um, but it's not what the dynamic is mm-hmm. and nobody knows what to do with that. Um, I think that a lot of times when a queer person is in like a hetero type of relationship and like gender aside, because like if you're gender queer, there's like, how is that technically heterosexual? But I think that a lot of times the dynamics are going to be very different than a typical straight relationship would be. And it's really hard for people to understand that and see what that means. Yeah. I loved uh, your episode with the, uh, the buy for buy couple. Oh, thank um, you. <laughs> I, I don't remember their I names. Love I loved that episode and talking about how uh, like it, it just is different. You put a bi person <laughs> in a relationship and it becomes a little bisexual. And if they're both bi, it's like, uh, I admire I, it. <laughs> I, I do too. I, I love I love seeing bi for, for bi relationships from afar. I just 10 out of 10. And they're yeah, I feel like they're the perfect example of how you can have like a very queer relationship no matter what it looks like. So but Bren, I'm taking up a lot of your time. I want to thank you so much for joining on the podcast today and for entertaining my uh, Reddit discussion. But um, how can people <laughs> find you? Is there anything you'd like to plug? Well, uh, you can visit the library at bipenlibrary.com. You can follow us uh, on Instagram, on Twitter for now. Uh, um, We're on Blue Sky. Like, what is Twitter now? Just in case. Um, And and also on TikTok. All the same handle at bipenlibrary. And then if you want to follow me and like the stuff that I personally read, all the like fucked up books. And the not so fucked up books. Um, you can follow me at Bren Frederick and most of those places. Yay. Thank you again. Thank you so much to Bren for joining us. It was honestly one of my favorite episodes to record. We had so much fun. But please, please support the Bipan Library and everything Bren does. I'm such a huge fan of their work. Speaking of support, make sure to subscribe to the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And of course, give us a rating and review. You can also follow us on Instagram at Bisexual Behavior. And you can also follow me at Talia.Tatiana. I'm also on TikTok with the same username. I'm also starting to record more listener-contributed episodes. So if you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, you can email me at bisexualbehaviorpod at gmail.com or you can visit bisexualbehavior.com. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next month. Okay, bye!